Ayo, welcome into the CHGO White Sox post game show presented by PointsBet. Use promo code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk free bets up to $2,000. Welcome into Studio A of our CHGO offices here in the West Loop of Chicago. I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. I'm the host of the CHGO White Sox podcast. And alongside me, as always, is Herb Lawrence. Hello. You can follow him on Twitter at Ecknerwall23. He's a CHGO White Sox community leader. We will be joined by Vinny Duber later from Guaranteed Rate Field. He's a CHGO White Sox beat writer. And the White Sox today in their game against the Detroit Tigers won 4-2. They improved to 41-43 and on the year. They lose the homestand against Minnesota and Detroit. Uh, they lost, They went 1-2 against Minnesota. They went 2-2 two two against Detroit. So disappointing Overall, her mm-hmm. the homestand, but at least you split with Detroit today. Yeah, we did the show on Friday, and so we showed how disappointed we were in both the homestand being a loss and also them losing or at least tying the series with uh, Detroit being the maximum they can do this weekend. But after those two losses, they sucked it up and won two games. That's all we can ask for after that Friday game. Yesterday wasn't aesthetically pleasing, but a W is a W. This team just needs to get wins like 83. Win ugly. And I wore the uniforms today, and it was a good, hard-fought, late victory for the White Sox. Still have some problems, but hell, we'll take the dub when we can get one. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, funny enough, Jake's asking about uh, the win 60, lose 60, and what happens with the other 42. Yeah. Our guy Jake asking, uh, did the Sox finally win one of the other 42 with Hawk in the building? Uh, No less. Uh, Yeah, Hawk was apparently at guaranteed rate field. Uh, We stopped doing that. Uh, After Tony did the whole uh, uh, Trey Turner thing, I stopped counting. Uh, I wanted that guy fired. It doesn't matter. Uh, You know, honestly, they're probably going to win 60. They're going to lose 60. And it just depends on if Tony La Russa gets lucky or not. Uh, but I don't know. We it really didn't feel like that gained a ton of traction outside of Jake. No, and Joe brings <laughs> up a good point. Good late game management, too. We both were discussing when Gregory Soto came in into the bottom of the ninth inning to face Gavin Sheets. We were like, you know, we actually don't mind Gavin Sheets getting a bet here, even though he struggles versus lefties. And he's been seeing the ball really well. When Tony made the move to A.J. Pollock, we're like, hey, it, that's good, too. And A.J. came through for the White Sox there. So, I got to credit Tony. I'll shit on him when I think he does poorly. This one worked out famously, and it was the right move. I think it would have been the right move just to keep Gavin in there with the bat he's been swinging today. Yeah, I thought keeping Gavin in that moment would have been fine, but A.J. Pollock came through. You get the result that you want. I'm, I'm fine with it. And A.J. Pollock against left-handers is hitting like 900. Uh, he has an OPS over 900. So, again, it was the smart move right there. I, I can't get too, uh, you know, I mean, it, it was smart right there. Um, Michael Kopech uh, started for the White Sox today. He went five and one-third inning. Uh, I did like going to Jimmy Lambert at the point that he did. Um, I did love going to Lopez and then seeing Lopez, Graveman, and Hendricks. Um, Ronaldo Lopez didn't get paid in the offseason season. For the White Sox to be a key piece of their bullpen, it was supposed to be Joe Kelly, but now Reynaldo Lopez kind of sliding into those higher leverage, more important roles for the White Sox, and it's paid off hugely. He went uh, no hits allowed, no walks allowed, and struck out two in the three batters he faced. Yeah, and I think, as somebody pointed on Twitter too, I think, yes, he's the next guy behind Graveman and Hendricks, but I would love to see him in a more multiple-inning role too. Like, there in the seventh inning, he did well. 
I would want to see him, like, maybe if Michael struggled earlier, get him in the sixth inning. If in the future somebody struggles, we need to get a guy in the fifth inning or the sixth inning, go with Raylo for a couple innings because he has the starter experience, and I think he has enough on his arm to go multiple innings for the White Sox. If Joe Kelly's going to struggle like he has this year, what, he's got like a 9-plus or 11-plus ERA? Mm-hmm. You only pitch him in those times where the White Sox are losing. That's Tony's MO now. So Raylo is the setup to the setup guy, and I'm good with that because I think this is his best role in the major leagues. He'll eventually, for my money, he'll eventually be a closer. Maybe not for the White Sox, but he'll eventually be a top-notch closer. Yeah, now seeing Carlos Rodon go to San Francisco and continue his success that Ethan Katz helped to build him up, that's a White Sox product. Um, I know that Reynaldo started with the Nationals, um, but kind of seeing the White Sox turn Reynaldo into this and and have Reynaldo, um, after his LASIK eye surgery, have this much success, um, it has been huge for the Sox organization, and you'd hope that if he does become a closer or that next-level bullpen arm that the White Sox can keep him. Uh, Because as Steven was mentioning, uh, he's he's done with arbitration after this year, or he Next one more year. So he has one more year of arbitration, then he's a free agent. One more year left uh, of arbitration, so one more left uh, year left of team control for Leonardo Lopez, and then maybe a team goes out and pays him because he he iced one of the, the last Tiger batter he faced uh, with a hundred mile per hour fastball on the outside edge. Um, Leonardo Lopez has been great. Um, let's talk about the way they got back into this game because the White Sox uh, got down early two to nothing. Javi Baez hit a home run. Michael Kopech threw six straight balls to start off the game. Then threw a fastball high, and Javi Baez was sitting dead red, took it deep, absolutely knew it was gone off the bat. But then Kopech started to settle in a little bit. Um, That was good to see, and we'll talk about Kopech a little bit later. But the White Sox scored runs, and that's what we needed. We saw in that Monday game against Minnesota, it was 2-2. They let it go into extras. They have to use more bullpen arms than they're comfortable with, and they end up losing that game. Uh, The White Sox didn't do it right away. It took them to the fifth inning to score their first run off Drew Hutchison. Uh, But they got on with a Mankata single to center, then Leary scored, and that was with two outs. So that was a big run. Gavin Sheets hit a homer in the sixth inning, and then in the eighth, like, we talked about a little bit. Um, we, we you got Robert, who was safe on a, a fielding error by Oof, Grossman. Wow! The ball got turned away by the wind. He had like 400 plus games without making an error, and then the White Sox capitalized on him finally making that error. Abreu was intentionally walked, and then there goes the scenario where Soto comes in, Sheets goes down, Pollock comes in, Pollock singles to right, Jimenez then singled to right as well, making it four two to the White Sox. But uh, you know they got down and they didn't come back right away. It took them a while to build up that momentum, but they got some momentum in the fifth and continued it and closed out the game and where we're talking about with Kopech he can't go to the thing the crutch that he has had probably his whole life a plus fastball a fastball that mm-hmm. no one can hit where it's up there where 97 98 99 miles per hour today he was pretty much sitting 92 he got up to about 94 as his maximum but he was pitching as Steve was saying in and out up and down making sure that keeping the Tigers' batters off balance. That first inning was a disaster. He could not find his release point. The only thing he was getting over for strikes was a slider. Even the ball that Javi Baez hit was a high outside-the-zone fastball that he absolutely tattooed because Javi's sitting dead red there because he he knew he couldn't throw anything else but that fastball up in the zone. Um, and you, you just, I don't know, Sean was kind of mad that Javi's like, this dude is a bum. Why is he out here showboating and talking about Baez and stuff and talking to the fans? It's like, hey, man, if you hit that ball that hard and you've only hit like eight home runs this year, you better celebrate because all the rest of the times are going to be bad because he looked terrible at the plate today after that home run. But Kopech kept the team in the, in the game. 
didn't have his great stuff. He hasn't had his great stuff for a while. Probably that knee injury is a little bothersome. He got checked out in the middle of the game. I thought that maybe he would be taken down for injury, but Kopech is a, a battler. He has something wrong with him. We all know that. The miles per hour is down, the, the, so it must be dead arm and or that knee that is causing him pain, fatigue, and he doesn't get the, the drive off of the mound as he used to. But he became a pitcher today. Only four strikeouts, limited it to three walks, even though he you know was very wild in the first inning. That's what you need to do as a pitcher who doesn't have his great stuff. And this is probably going to be good for Michael Kopech going forward, knowing that, hey, I don't need that big-time premium fastball to get hitters out in the major leagues. This team yeah. came in hot. They had won five in a row or six in a row. We won yesterday, and then we shut them down today again because I went out there and pitched instead of just threw. I, I, it's, it's important in his development as a starter, 100%. But if Kopech does have that next-level fastball, he also is probably able to go seven innings this game. Yeah. Um, that, 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 that fastball means a lot to him and turns him into that elite starter the White Sox are hoping for him to be, and that's why he was so effective coming out of the bullpen last year. A lot of people were debating what's wrong with Kopech, and you mentioned it could be the knee issue that happened uh, against Texas. Uh, it was a cyst in his knee that burst, and this has apparently been an issue that he's pitched with his entire life, and that's why the White Sox didn't really falter too much. I think they gave him six days of rest but he still ended up making his scheduled start against Houston and he's made every scheduled start after that as well so they really didn't give him a long rest break I'm not sure if it's dead arm I'm not sure if it's the knee issue uh Jordan Lazowski of Sox on 35th is pretty co uh, convinced it's dead arm uh let's look at some of the uh pitch velocity stuff if we have it uh, uh Steven I, I want to go to this just because this is Michael Kopech over 2022 and you can kind of see the way that the velocity is dipped up and dipped down uh, if we don't have it yet it's it's fine um all right, well, Steven needs 30 seconds. Uh, today, we'll just go through uh, what he's been uh, doing or what Kopech was uh, kind of f showing because some people were wondering after the first inning if he started taking off velocity on purpose. Uh, on average today, he was down about 2.9 miles, almost three total miles uh, down from his uh, average yearly velocity. He was at 92.1. Yearly average velocity is 95. Uh, are you... Were you thinking it was more arm, leg, or maybe, you know, he was so wild trying to throw it as hard as he could that he kind of reined it back in and started using more control? I think it's more arm. Like, he just can't generate the, the torque that he usually gets. And maybe that coincides because of the knee, and it's his, it's his uh, land knee, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's not his driving right knee. It's his left knee, right, that had the cyst on it. So probably can't get enough going through because, you know, pitching mostly lower body and, you know, he doesn't uh, generate the, the miles per hour yet. And I think maybe it's a combination of the both. I can't quantify which one cost him more miles per hour, but three miles per hour. And they showed it on uh, the NBC Sports Chicago broadcast. It's a full foot that you're getting when you're throwing slower in that 92 instead of the 95 that he usually throws at. So batters can square those up a little bit more. They're ready for it a little bit more. It doesn't have as much break as the 95 does. You can't react to it. So, yeah, I think it's a combination of the two, and I can't pinpoint which one is causing them more of it. So the all-star break might be coming at a perfect time for him to get some good rest and just chill out and get his arm and knee 
back to healthy. I think he would still have uh, one more start left uh, to make. I'm not, yeah, he's he got one be more too. because the eight games they have current coming up, he has to start one of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he's scheduled right now, uh, the way it's laid out, would be Friday, July 15th. Um, so maybe you'll see him then. Maybe they end up skipping him over if they call up uh, Davis Martin. I'd like to see him probably just get rest for the rest of the the the, uh, the the first half of the season and then have him start post-All-Star break because he just hasn't had that same effectiveness. And let's look at the pitch velocity chart over 2022, and you can kind of see how it's ebbed and how it's flowed uh, for Michael Kopech this year. So looking at the list and, and the graph for the – velocity uh there we go uh so the yankee one you could see right there it pretty much stays normal and then around 300 pitches probably around like 375 honestly closer to 400 it starts dripping off dramatically that was in the yankee game where he started throwing around 92 miles per hour and we're like all right what's this issue i think that might have been a little bit uh, of some dead arm issues maybe because then right he right after that he jumps right back up uh, to 95 and he's kind of sticking around that normal velocity for him but then you kind of see uh, ever since that it's just been a sharp decline and I think that bump right there you see that bump on the right side that's that Texas start so after that Texas start he's been down pretty much uh, below 93 and not hitting those highs where you could see them hitting mm-hmm. the ceiling of the highest velocity pitches that he usually gets. He's not getting close to those. No, and it kind of reminds me a little bit of Carlos Rodon last year, um, but not totally. And Jordan Lazowski said it's dead arm uh, like Carlos Rodon experienced. And as you could see, Rodon, it's pretty much around 95. And then after he hits like a thousand pitches, it falls down and he starts hitting around low to mid 90s. Um, so, you know, Rodon right there kind of shows you what dead arm is like. I don't really see that same trajectory with Kopech so I think that this might be a problem that can get better um, and I think a lot of it has to do with release points and it just felt like especially in the first inning he was so off and Steve Stone mentioned it too um, that he was just a little bit not uh, tight enough I think that he was a little bit more forward and a little bit flying open uh, with his pitches and that's why he ended up throwing more balls um, we can look at this in the first inning uh, this is where his release points were and you could see there's this box right there when he was in that box those were strikes And if it wasn't perfectly in that box, it was a ball. And that was kind of the issue with Michael Kopech was the consistency, not having that consistency of his release points. And he wasn't able to find the strike zone completely. But then uh, we'll expand this to the full game. And you can see there's a lot more strikes in the middle of that box. Um, He started to find a little bit of that rhythm with that fastball there. So I think Kopech was able to at least adjust the uh, control concerns. He ended up throwing uh, 12 called strikes uh, today, which it was it's a great amount right there. You got to load up the strike zone. He was able to do that today. So I'm not sure what the issue is. Maybe we'll hear more uh, from Vinny Duber later, but I know there was mechanical issues. I think that has to deal with the balls and strikes. I think the physical issue is probably uh, something to do with the velocity, right? I think that's what's limiting the velocity is either the knee or the, the arm being an issue. I think it's more probably the knee though than dead arm because it was such a drastic drop after that Texas game. It feels like his leg isn't giving them that same drive. With the 78 pitches he's or 78 innings he's pitched this year, it's by far his most pitches or most innings he's pitched in his three seasons that he's pitched in. Remember, this is his first full season of being a major league baseball starter. So that arm does come into factor. He's never done this. This has never been on his arm as a major league starter. And so how he handles it, that's why I say it's a good thing that he understands. Like sometimes you're not going to have that A-plus fastball. Now pitch. Now enjoy 
how to pitch the game and find the ways to get hitters out without striking them out. And today he got the job done. The win was kind of a factor. It was blowing out. It was blowing, swirling. So there could have been some home runs hit more than the Javi Baez one that was a rocket. He settled down and understood, hey, okay, let's just keep the ball in the ballpark. Let these guys put bats a ball and get outs because my defense has been playing solidly behind me. We need to just get outs, and I don't have the thing where I can reach back for another six inches and throw, throw this guy a 97-mile-per-hour fastball to blow him away. Concern level. If, if you had to put it on 1 to 10, 10 being probably Carlos Rodon last in the last half of last year, I was pretty worried about him. And then maybe 1 would be like Lucas Giolito when he was having his issues early on in the year. Where would you have to put him? 4. 4? Yeah. I'm concerned because whenever you have an injury and it looks like he's playing through it, it's always not a great thing. And the velocity being down, you always worry about that. But he seems to be fine. He, you know, we'll talk to Vinny. I think he played through some sort, some uh, fatigue, some uh, uncomfortableness in his knee today. Because we saw a couple of times where he's landing just didn't look right when he hit the ball. A guy hit the ball to Andrew Vaughn. He wasn't there. I mean, he got there eventually. Andrew pretty much called him off. Mm-hmm. But he didn't get there on time, and then that's when they came out, I think, in the second inning, just to check on him. There was, looked like a lot of concern. The trainer came out. Ethan Katz came out. Tony came out. So it looked like a little concern that they saw something that wasn't right about him. And he pitched through that because, you know, he's a tough guy, and he knows the White Sox need his bullpen arm in his arm instead of going to the bullpen that early. So he got the job done. I'm not too concerned. What about you? Do you, you On your scale, I've said I'm a four. You're a. I would. I think you're. You're fair. I. You know, five or four is, is about right. I mean, fanboy is really concerned. Yeah, shout out fanboy saying a seven. Uh, as Steve Stone mentioned too. You know, when you have knee issues, those could lead to arm issues because you're trying to overcorrect or you're trying to overcompensate for not having everything fully. Um, I think that Kopech probably showed you the way to at least you know blend those or mesh those. I think he did a good job of not overthrowing and just letting his mechanics do the work. I thought he did a really good job of that today. Um, but if this continues again, you know, we see this on the 15th, let's say if he starts on July 15th against the Twins, um, if we see this happen again, I would just be like, all right, why didn't you sit him down? Why didn't you give him that extra rest? I think, I think you're getting to a point where he needs extra rest because you haven't seen that extra life on that fastball. You haven't seen 94 consistently from him. I, I think that's the biggest concern there. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I would say that we'll talk to Vinny. It feels like they fixed the mechanic issues, but the velocity issues are still there. So I would say let the inflammation go down if he does have inflammation in his knee and let him come back at 100% because I think Davis Martin can handle some assignment in the next couple days. Yeah, that's the problem. The White Sox having the eight games in seven days coming up. They're going to need Michael Kopech there. They're going to have Davis Martin throw one of those games in the doubleheader. Then you're going to need your rest of your five guys in the in the starting rotation, and then the guys again, uh, three more guys to pitch out these eight games. So Michael Kopech's needed. If he really does have inflammation and other stuff that is wrong with his knee, yeah, I would love for him to sit down. But you're going against a division opponent, especially his scheduled start on Friday versus the Minnesota Twins up there, the weird-ass Minnesota Twins. Weird-ass Minnesota Twins. Thank you, CC. They need him to pitch that day if he's ready to go. If there's no other discomfort, 
nothing coming out of this game where he's more hurt than they uh, assumed, and he comes out of this game with a little bit more uh, inflammation, more knee problems, then, yeah, sit him down. But if he's just wearing tear and he's fine after a couple days, has his bullpen, and everybody's like, hey, thumbs up for Friday start, I'm fine with him going out there and giving an effort. Russett said he's at a seven because he think it would be stupid to injure Kopech in July we're a borderline contending for the division and stupid with the White Sox coaches in the front office excel in. <laughs> sit him, rest him now. So Rusty just wants to have him sit until probably his start in the second half to start versus Cleveland. I don't know. If he is hurt, yes, put him on the I.L. And I understand it, too. I mean, since the 12th, his average fastball velocity has been a 94. It's now down to a 92.9. So he's losing it the more and more he goes. Uh, and the, the more and more that he's away from the injury, it feels like the injury hasn't healed itself. We're basically a month away from this injury. So I understand uh, being up to a 7, especially with the White Sox. It's not like the White Sox have the best track record uh, with, with health and with uh, you know keeping guys healthy, especially with lower body injuries. But they've talked about Kopech having this injury before, Kopech knowing how to play through this injury. So maybe, again, we've heard this with Aloy, how they wanted him to play through that injury and try to figure out how to learn to play through that injury that he, he just sustained. Um, you know, maybe that's what they're doing with Kopech here. Maybe they think that he can push it and, and that he's not going to hurt himself. Uh, Kopech must know a lot of about his body, and they must trust him a lot uh, to, to have this faith, though, because he doesn't look great. The results aren't great, and, and maybe the process is good enough. They they know what he's doing before he's pitching, and, and they like the regiment that he's on, but the results have just been a little bit concerning just because that extra zip is le- leading him to be hit more, and when he's leading and, and letting more guys on, it's just going to lead to more clogged bases and, and pos- possible uh, more damage here, but I, I don't think that this is a, a thing that if he pitches on Friday, he might be out for the rest of the year. Like I, I don't know if it's that dire. Yeah, and I was thinking, like, when is Vince Velasquez eligible to come off the IL? And I don't think it's in time because he's a 15-day IL guy. I think he had blisters uh, when he went out. And so that would be a thing where you can probably steal a start there and have Kopech rest without necessarily putting him on the IL. Just skip a start with a veteran pitcher because I'm not too uh, hyped, even though he came in and got the job done. Adam Wainwright, a.k.a. Jimmy, Jimmy uh, Lambert, got the job done today. But I don't know if I want him starting. He's good enough as a reliever. But if you're going to be skipping Kopech start and or ILing him, I don't like the options behind Kopech for these pivotal games you've got coming up with the Minnesota Twins and the weird-ass weird ass Minnesota Twins and the Guardians. Uh, yeah. Uh, real quick, Stephen, uh, Ecamm link to Vinny. Uh, I, I just remembered we did not send that to him. Uh, if you The best way to support CHGO is to download the points bet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. Uh, not only is I, oh my god, her uh, my bad, I was all over the place. What I'm trying to figure out how to how to get a, a better segue into this points bet uh, ad here because um, I, I got all worried that we didn't have Vinny. The link sent to Vinny. Now I'm kind of like in no man's land here with this read. The best way to support CHGO is to download the points bet app. You ask Herb Lawrence for help and use code CHGO when you sign up. If you do that right now, you get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. But that's not it. If you make $50 or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from a CHGO locker. That's $2,000 in free bets, a free CHGO membership, and a free T-shirt from CHGO locker. 
offer making more than a $50 first-time deposit at PointsBet. If you have any questions, you can email PointsBet at allchgo.com, and we will help you out. Javi Baez hit a home run in the first inning, and I won money because of it. A lot of people were booing Javi Baez on the south side this weekend. I was not. I was cheering when he hit that two-run home run because I won money on PointsBet. It's your home for live in-play betting, and it just got even better. If you see an edge in the game you're watching, if your favorite team is primed for a comeback, don't just watch the game. Bet along with it live. There's more live betting, more live markets, and faster live cash-outs with the PointsBet app. You can download the PointsBet app right now and use promo code CHGO and you sign up. So what are you waiting for? It's time to elevate your live betting game. Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life with PointsBet. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services. And our next partner I have a product has a product that I use literally every day. I used it this morning when I woke up. I started taking AG1s because they sent me these samples when we started working here. They were one of our first partners at CHGO. And honestly, I haven't stopped using them. Uh, they, they sent us the free stuff and I used all the free stuff and I started using more of the free stuff and then I ran out of the free stuff. So I bought my own stuff because this is very good stuff. You might be asking, what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, and your energy. All of the important things to help you going through your day to have the best day possible. It's lifestyle friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, daily, dairy-free, or gluten-free. And Athletic Greens has over 7,002 five-star reviews. It costs less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No needs for millions of different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash chgosocks. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash chgosocks to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutrition insurance, daily nutritional insurance. My bad. Thank you guys for putting up with that because I, I really oh. didn't know how to get into the, the read and then I got out of the read and now we're out of the read. We're done with it. Now we're waiting for Vinny. But uh, Sox improved to 41 and 43. They're four and a half games back in the AL Central. Cleveland lost and they are four games back. Minnesota sits at 47 and 40. They're on a three-game losing streak. Uh, the White Sox are... Also, clear of the Detroit Tigers, four and a half games back. The, the White Sox are first place. Tigers are 10 games back of first place. So Sucking now they're Detroit. on the right side of being on third place. They're closer to first place than they are fourth place, which is good to see. And, yeah, the Minnesota Twins are currently up 6-5 to five in the top of the ninth inning in Texas. So we're begging for Texas to get a walk-off oh, win here. Get a win so the White Sox can be only four games back of the Minnesota Twins and set up a nice series with the Cleveland Guardians as it's going to be a four-game set and or five-game set, right? Uh, yeah, five-game set. Five-game set. Playing a double double header. header. So we can leapfrog the Cleveland Guardians. Nope, four-game set. So it's four and four then. Yeah. So we can leapfrog the Cleveland Guardians. Eight games and seven And days. when we start against the Minnesota Twins, we'll be in a battle for first place with them instead of worrying about the Cleveland Guardians. Hey, you'd hope, but, I mean, I don't want this team overlooking uh, things. Uh, let's go to a quote, actually, from Vinny Duber's uh, most recent article because it kind of goes into this. Like, yeah. I, I wonder what this team's mindset is, and A.J. Pollock explained it as, we don't really know what you, what's going on, and Tony's always saying, well, the, hopefully they're going to play to the back of the baseball card. Oh, we got Vinny Duber joining us right now. Look at that. Uh, and I think even um, 
Cease mentioned just like it's it's really confusing why we've been losing as much as we did. Uh, there's a great quote on uh, from Hendricks, but uh, let's go to the guy who wrote the story. Maybe we'll just get more background uh, from him before we read the quote. Vinny Duber joins us from Guaranteed Rate Field. He is on Twitter at Vinny Duber. You could follow him on Twitter at Vinny Duber. He's a CHGO White Sox beat reporter. And Stephen, do we have the uh, the the new drop for Vinny uh, whenever he joins? Very sexy mustache. Very sexy mustache. Hello, Vinny. <laughs> hey guys, how's it going? Very good. White Sox winner. How was the clubhouse after and who'd you talk to? Uh, they were bumping in there. All the all of the all of the, you know, your regular celebratory uh, hip hop music was playing. We did get a uh, a Billy Squire uh, play, oh, though. We stroking? got we got we got the stroke from Billy Squire. So that was exciting oh, yeah. to hear post game uh, amid all of the typical, uh, you know, young person music. So uh, that was all very good. Uh, but, yeah, they're celebratory, obviously, two in a row. Uh, you know, it's the Tigers. Uh, and, you know, how many times have we been burned by calling something a turning point before? But uh, two really nice days in a row here for the White Sox. Had to love the way uh, the, the team did. Had to love the way that they won today uh, coming back. And, you know, really – complete opposite of yesterday where yesterday they poured it on early today really not much offense to be found great home run by Gavin Sheets there in the sixth inning but I think they only had five hits before that dropped pop-up uh there in the eighth inning uh and Luis Robert just getting the second base really turned everything around it's pretty crazy it's exactly what Liam Hendricks told me uh yesterday they needed to start doing uh in order to turn things around do the little things you know make a make make somebody pay for making a mistake that's what they did today and, and Liam after the game uh talking about how they need to get this mindset that they're better than everybody else, that they can go in and, and, and beat everybody. Let's go. Um, that's what he's talking about. We'll see if that continues uh, once they play some teams that are ahead of them in the standings. But certainly two days against Detroit, uh, it, it, it paid off in a big way. And what did Michael Kopech have to say after the game? Because I contend that this is actually a good thing that he's not having his best stuff and his velocity to fall back on when he has this game where he has to pitch. Gives up the early home run to Javi Baez. I think he had one of his best starts because he didn't have great stuff and he wasn't just blowing people away. What did he have to say about his outing? Yeah, I mean, I get your point. Uh, I think he talked about that, you know, being able to, to get through some innings when, uh, when, when, you ha when you don't have what you're used to working with. And certainly that's part of learning. Uh, that's part of going from being a thrower to being a pitcher, right, which we always hear from, from the coaching staff all the time. Uh, it is something that he's going to need to do in order to win some games over the course of his career, probably a, a, whole, a whole bunch of them. Um, obviously, more often than not, you'd like to see, if you're the White Sox, Michael Kopech, be the guy who can go out and strike out double-digit batters. But on a day like today, they complimented his guts. Tony La Russa did, talking about uh, you know the kind of guy that, that can go out there and deliver a winning performance. What do they always say? Give the team a chance to win. Certainly he did that today with how he was pitching, even though it wasn't how he's used to pitching. Yeah, so with Kopech, a lot of people are worried about the knee issue, and people are thinking it also might be an arm issue. We saw in the second inning, they come out after he got off the mound a little awkwardly to try to feel the play at first base. Um, and there was also talks in his last start about mechanical issues. So what is currently the diagnosis of Kopech? Is he dealing with some mechanical issues and also overcoming an injury? Is he just dealing with mechanical issues? Is it an injury causing mechanical issues? Uh, have they given any uh, insight to what's going on with Kopech? 
Well, as you as you might or might not know, I mean, it, those things really vary from start to start. Sometimes in the four days in between, you're working to fix mechanical issues. Sometimes in the four days in between, you're trying to stick to your routine because the last time out was really good, right? So um, it does vary start to start. I, I think the team might be a little... I don't want to use the word concerned and scare anybody, but, you know, concerned. They were concerned today in the second inning. That's why they went out there to go talk to him, that the knee might have suffered some on that play that he made. He told them they felt fine. They left him in the game. So, uh, you know, he's obviously healthy enough to pitch. If he wasn't, he'd be on the injured list. Um, but that's probably something that didn't, you know, go all the way away. That's something he, he says he's not thinking about it when he's out on the mound. And, you know, that's the – adrenaline taking over the competitor in him taking over kind of thing but it also means that he is thinking about it at some other time so um it, it's it's probably not you know you're not seeing everything's uh sunny uh 100 michael kopech out there but he's able to to pitch and he's able to uh get the team through a game uh and that's the kind of thing that they need out of him right now they need out of everybody so i thought the at bat of the game was the gavin sheets home run of course but because he battled through that whole at-bat and then eventually led to the home run. So Sean and I were discussing when they went to Gregory Soto in the eighth. It's like, actually, I don't too much mind if he stays in hitting the game, but when Tony took him out and put in A.J. Pollock, who was very good this year versus lefties, we were like, this is a good move too. A.J. comes through right there. What did Tony have to say about that move in particular? And A.J., you know, staying through it because he's had a tough year where he's not playing every day and then gets the clutch RBI single to put the Sox ahead. Yeah, well, it's funny. I mean, what were the two biggest hits in the game? You had the Gavin Sheets blasting a home run, right, halfway up the, halfway up the seats in the outfield, and then A.J. Pollock just dribbling one through the infield. I mean, it goes to show you in baseball, it doesn't really matter what, it matters when sometimes. So, uh, But, yeah, Gavin Sheets uh, has looked awesome, really, since coming back from AAA. I think he learned a lot down there, really focused uh, on what he was doing with the coaching staff down there. Um, but we talked to him after the game. And somebody joked, hey, are you feeling good enough? Because he told us how good he was feeling at the plate. Are you feeling good enough that you're going to tell Tony, you know, let me face a lefty? Uh, and, and he laughed and said, and said, you know what, Gregory Soto, maybe not. Maybe, maybe, maybe be okay with not having to step in against him. So uh, the right move there. And obviously, listen, what, is, what does Tony always say when he's, you know, explaining a move that didn't go well? You know, the outcome makes the move look bad here. Outcome makes the move look great because the Sox got what they needed. They got the win today, and that's uh, that's really what matters there. Sheets, uh, you know, told me in spring training, I can remember all the way back to, to a conversation we had then, that was, you know, it's about reps. He doesn't think that he is a specialist or a guy who can only face one hand of pitcher uh and it's about getting as many reps as you can against both hands of pitcher that's going to turn you into a guy who can play every day uh right now though the white Sox need some left-handed help against right-handed pitchers uh that's that's been well publicized uh and you know he's he's able to deliver that uh uh recently uh but you know you got to make the move you got to you got to put the guys up there that uh, that you that you're uh paying to, to hit in those situations pollock was brought in remember because he can hit well against lefties and that's uh, he, he got the he got the base hit today. Yeah, 900 OPS for uh, AJ Pollock versus uh, lefties. I think Gavin Sheets's OPS versus right-handers is over 900. So they got a right fielder in those two guys. Uh, so they got something working there. Um, so we got some news rolling in. Uh, All stars have been announced. 
Tim Anderson is the only all-star. So I got two questions for you, Vinny, because you weren't on the uh, last podcast we were on. Uh, no Dylan Cease, so Tim Anderson's the only all-star for the Chicago White Sox this year. First off, Dylan Cease not being an all-star. Is that shocking to you? Your mustache brother, um, three Yankee pitchers end up making it, and I think that uh, Cease is almost like top five, I think, in strikeouts, ERA, and innings pitch. So is that surprising hearing that Cease is not an all-star this year? Uh, you know, I rarely am I surprised by that kind of thing. You know, with the all-star game every year, it always seems like someone's being left off. And I think the idea, what you've got to look at is, did he have an all-star caliber first half? Absolutely. Does that mean he's better than every single person that made the team? Plus you've got the roster rules to worry about with every team being represented. You know, you'd have to pour in a little closer to, uh, to, to see if that was the case. Dylan Cease was all-star caliber through the first three-plus months of the season. There's no doubt about that. Um, he was the best starting pitcher that the White Sox have, though certainly Johnny Cueto has been impressive as well. Um, but Cease has those numbers, right, those traditional numbers that get you consideration for things like that. The strikeouts have been incredible, and it's gotten to the point where you're expecting every time he goes out there for him to get 10-plus strikeouts, right? Uh, so, yes, should there, uh, you know, had had Dylan Cease been named to the All-Star team, would have been very, very deserving. I'm not willing to say quite yet that he belongs there over X, Y, and Z because I haven't seen the roster, but uh, certainly he was terrific. And had he been named to the All-Star team, uh, it would have been well-earned, I think. Absolutely. Uh, the other question, too, we saw Tim Anderson be announced. Uh, There's a video from inside the clubhouse, Joe McEwing, announcing that Tim Anderson was the starter for the All-Star team. Um, and it felt like it was a mild or timid reaction from the team. We were unsure just because we only saw a minute and 30 seconds of footage. Um, we, we didn't know the context before. Maybe they found out on the field that Tim was a, an All-Star. And then they came in and made the announcement to the whole team and kind of more of an official thing. What did you make of the video if you saw it? And, and did you see anything? Because I know people also superimposed uh, the 2021 announcement with the 2022 announcement and the 2021 one was more uh, exciting and lively. Uh, did you make of anything uh, from that video and the vibe in the clubhouse or the timid reaction to Tim Anderson being announced a starter? Well, I didn't see the video that you mentioned, but I will say this. Uh, Tim Anderson was leading in all-star voting for a couple days leading up. I think that uh, this may be a little bit you know, um, I don't want to say an expected outcome because certainly other good shortstops out there that that have big fan bases that like to vote for this kind of thing. Tim Anderson, though, was in, you know, in the lead when we talked to him, I think a day or two before the voting ended. So um, maybe the expectation there was that it already happened or like you said, there could have been a plenty of other context left out of, you know, those 90 seconds that, that were posted. Uh, I can tell you this, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to write about this, you know, later in this week, be it, be it, you know, soon here or in the next couple of days. Uh, Tim Anderson is beloved in the White Sox clubhouse. Uh, talked part of my interview with Liam Hendricks. I asked him about Tim Anderson and what he said was Tim Anderson has been the guy on this White Sox team who during three months of disappointing and frustrating baseball has gone around the clubhouse and make sure that everybody's spirits are up, make sure that everybody's doing what they're supposed to be doing, making sure that everybody's on the right page. He said in terms of leadership qualities, Anderson ranks as one of the best players he's ever been around. And, of course, you know Liam is is not only a veteran, but has been at numerous stops throughout his career. So some exposure to, to a number of players who would fit that category. Um, you know, certainly Tony La Russa never has a bad word to say about T.A., always calls him a special player, talks about what he does on the field, what he does off the field. Um, you know, in terms of this team and this team's 
personality, this entire organization, really, uh, Tim Anderson has been the embodiment of that, uh, you know, and you could call it chicken or egg. I, I mean, I think the, the, the organization is probably that way because of Tim Anderson, not the other way around. So uh, certainly uh, no uh, ill vibes when it comes to T.A. in this, in this clubhouse. And uh, he's a guy that has spoken of very highly. And of course, as we've been saying, since this uh, company launched back in March, uh, there is nobody more important on this team probably than, than T.A. Absolutely. And the bullpen again, three and two thirds, four strikeouts, no walks, giving up no runs there. But I want to focus on Raylo, Ronaldo Lopez. It looks like he has leapfrogged Joe Kelly. You know, Joe's had a tough year this year, both IL stints and then performance on the field. Did Tony or anybody speak about and your own feeling about this? Did Raylo leapfrog Joe Kelly as the setup guy to the setup guy? Um, I mean, I think that's certainly possible, and, and Tony did actually talk pregame today about how he is a hot hand, and he's earned these opportunities. Um, I don't think you've seen the last of Joe Kelly by by any stretch. I mean, this is a guy who has not just playoff experience, World Series winning experience, uh, you know, and, and as much as we've seen the White Sox struggle through the first three-plus months here of the season, I think everybody knows that the players on this roster are capable, we'll see if it actually happens, but are capable of flipping that switch and turning things around. Heck, we've got an example of it in Jose Abreu, who had a very slow first month and is now putting up, uh, you know, the usual Jose Abreu style numbers. That can happen to Joe Kelly, too. It's not to, just because you've seen what you've seen so far doesn't mean that that's going to be the guy that you see for the rest of the year. I believe back in spring training, the first time we talked to him after he was acquired was he said something along the lines of, you know, yeah, the season's good. What you want to be on is is on in October. And it's very possible he has a strong end to the to the season. And if the White Sox are fortunate enough to make the playoffs, he could play a huge factor in that. But, man. Reynaldo Lopez looked excellent today. He's looked excellent a lot of days this season. Uh, and I'll share another nugget from another story I'm writing up uh, uh, later this week. Reynaldo Lopez is a guy I talked to today uh, pregame, and he was talking about his relationship with Johnny Cueto. Of course, you guys might or might not know Johnny Cueto is a big uh, proponent of running, a big cardio guy. Uh, you know, you'll see him running up and down uh, in, the, in the upper deck of the stadium here uh, before games. Um, not a lot of people who, who, who share his love of running. Uh, you know, this is baseball after all. You know, you don't need to be uh, moving up and down the court or up the field like some other sports. Uh, Reynaldo Lopez, one of those guys who doesn't like to run. But he told uh, me earlier today, you know, when the season started, he was throwing about 94, 95 miles an hour. He started running. Like his, like his buddy, Johnny Cueto, who's, who he's worked out with for a few years now. Johnny Cueto called him from AAA and said, and said, are you running? Are you running? Make sure you're running. Reynaldo said, yeah, I'm running. Before long, he's throwing 97, 98, 99. And Johnny Cueto calls him again from AAA and says, see, told you. So uh, uh, in Johnny Cueto's mind, you start running and you're going to throw harder than you ever did before. Uh, and, and he's got a, a, some nice little data to back it up here with Reynaldo Lopez this year, it looks like. It sounds like Johnny Cueto can be a coach. He's, he's making sure these pitchers are running. He's making sure the hitters are hitting the ball in the, uh, the air. Uh, Johnny Cueto has been one hell of a player for this White Sox team, huh? He's been one, one influence on that, uh, that clubhouse. Absolutely, and that's what the story is going to be about. So hopefully, hopefully everybody uh, uh, checks in on that later uh, coming up next week. But uh, yeah, another another nice nugget from Reynaldo that he told me today was Johnny will offer advice to to everybody on uh, 
uh, all the pictures on how to get a certain guy out, what he's seeing in the game, how you can do it, throw inside, throw inside. He tells people all the time. We heard that story from Anaheim where he told the hitters that they got to, you know, put the ball in the air, it'll go out. I asked Reynaldo about that, and he says, yeah, he's always talking to the hitters. And I say, bro, what are you doing? You can't hit. Why are you giving advice on hitting? And, uh, and, and, and Johnny uh, apparently does not react well to that. He likes to go around and give the advice. So, uh, you know, you, we've had Johnny Cueto in the corner of the locker room giving hitting advice to Yoan Moncada and Luis Robert. Take that for what it's worth. But uh, uh, certainly something that's not stopping him uh, being a pitcher from giving advice to absolutely everybody on this team. Yeah, he's earned it. Uh, final question I got for you. Uh, in that TA video that I mentioned, uh, it looks like there's a Randy Moss jersey hanging from Aloy Jimenez's locker room. Um, I don't know if Aloy's just a big Randy Moss guy. Do you have any insight on why the Randy Moss jersey's in the uh, locker room? It appears to be the new uh, player of the game uh, award. Uh, I don't know the origins of it, but I can tell you that Aloy got it uh, for coming back and hitting the home run in his first game back. Johnny Cueto got it last night. Michael Kopech had it today. Uh, so there you go, the new player of the game award. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that are like, oh, my God, why isn't it a – I'm trying to think of the era. Why isn't it a Marcus Robinson jersey or some Bears wide receiver? Uh, but uh, they're going to go ahead and, and stick with the purple uh, the purple Vikings Randy Moss jersey uh, as the White Sox new player of the game award. Chicago is the place where wide receivers go to die. Musa Muhammad. Um, that shirt you're wearing, I didn't see it. I can't see it fully. Is that Grateful Dead? Yeah, can, Grateful Dead. Yeah, so did you is. go this to the is, concert? I did not. Uh, that was the weekend. Uh, that was the weekend before my wedding, so we had yeah. to stay COVID safe that weekend. Obviously, uh, I was up Friday. I was in Milwaukee for Summerfest uh, and saw one of my all-time favorite bands, the Black Crows. So that was an excellent experience for me to uh, to be able to see them live uh, and in person on Friday night uh, up uh, up north of the border. You missed country music night. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what a shame. <laughs> uh, did they play? She talks to angels. They did. It's a great. They one. did. That's a great song. It's a good one. I'm, I was getting worried that they were going to close with that, and I tur- turned to my buddy. I'm like, I don't. Do you close with the slow song about heroin addiction? I don't know if that's a very good idea. And thankfully, they had a few more uh, uh, to play after that. So yeah. Yeah, I feel like that's first first set before the encore. You don't want to play that in the encore. People are going home. You know, you got you got to do that before you come back out. Um, I think there was one more question I wanted to end up asking. Oh wait, so. Did they not give out a player of the game? Uh, because I was trying to go. So Aloy turned returned on Wednesday, so he got the Randy Moss jersey then, um, and then Cueto got it on Saturday. The Kopech today. Kopech got it today. So it looks they're missing two games. Is it only just when they win they're giving out player of the game? That could be. Obviously, okay. Friday I was not here. So, yeah, I'm going to go right. ahead and guess that these are after wins. Uh, you know, I don't know if you want to be the player of a game in a losing effort uh, in, inside, a, inside a locker room. So, let's get, I don't have that to confirm, but let's just go ahead and say that they hand it out after wins. Why not? They, not? they don't put these this jersey on, do they, for the post-game interviews? No, I've only seen it hanging up so far. Oh. I would love to see Johnny Cueto in a Randy Moss jersey. Uh, that is my new dream. So if you if and you any might, pictures. he's he's throwing he's throwing uh, well enough every time out that he's probably going to get it at least one more time, uh, probably a few more times here. So make sure you look, uh, keep looking for it and see if they start putting it on. He's been a wonder. Uh, that's Vinny Duber. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Vinny Duber. He's a CHGO White Sox beat writer. He has a brand new article where he talked to Liam Hendricks on Saturday, and he mentioned uh, the, the quotes about what this team needs to do to start getting back into it, uh, start dominating teams. Uh, what was the exact word he used? Uh, it was uh, destroying teams, right? Demolish. 
demolish teams. Yeah. So uh, if you want to talk about how Liam Hendricks thinks the White Sox can get back to demolishing team, our guy Vinny Duber uh, wrote about it at allchgo.com. And if you become a member, you get a free t-shirt along with uh, the access to read all of the great work we have there. So Vinny, thank you for joining us from Guaranteed Rate Field, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. All right, guys. Have a lovely Sunday. You too. And uh, I think Vinny will be in studio tomorrow because they're going to Cleveland. And usually Vinny comes into studio when they're uh, on the road. So hopefully we'll see our guy Vinny in studio tomorrow. That should be fun. We also want to mention that CHGO is brought to you by PointsBet. PointsBet is the best sports book out there. It's the fastest sports book out there. It's the best live betting sports book out there. If you enjoy CHGO, one way to help us continue to grow is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. Not only are you going to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000, but if you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from a CHGO locker. So if you're just looking to become an All CHGO member after we told you about Vinny Duber's articles, this is a fantastic deal for you. You put $50 into PointsBet, you get the free CHGO membership, you get to read Vinny Duber's articles, you get free access into our CHGO lounge, it's a members-only Discord, and you'll get a free shirt of your choice. It's a fantastic deal, $50 with the best sports book out there, and you get a free CHGO membership when you use code CHGO when you sign up. If you have any questions, you can email pointsbet at allchgo.com, and we'll help you out. And in case you missed it, online sign-up is available in Illinois. You can download the PointsBet app right now and register your account from start to finish all from your phone. You'll be signing up with the fastest sports book easier than ever, so you can start living your bet life in seconds. So what are you waiting for once the game starts? Don't just bet. Live your bet life with PointsBet. Game of call 1-800-522-4700. All right. Let's I go. agree, Melissa. What did Melissa say? She said after 19 Stadium, and Progressive Field is at the bottom. Yeah, the Jake blah. seems boring. It's boring as shit. Both those Ohio stadiums are terrible. They're not great. I mean, you're watching baseball, so it's good, I, but it's not great. I I'm going out there in August again. I heard to great. Watch that boring. At least good things about Good stadium. American or Great American. It's there. Like in the summer, there's no hiding. You're out. If you're in a seat, you're out in the sun and you're baking. Go in April. Yeah, Ugh, no. <laughs> I see the Reds be bad. We talked about Vinny's recent article where he talked about Liam Hendricks. So let's uh, pull up the article and let's pull up some uh, quotes from him because uh, he ended up mentioning, uh, Vinny did, and and Liam talked about it, how they needed to turn singles into doubles and uh, you need to start taking advantage of mistakes and exactly what happened with Rob, Robbie Ghostman making his first ever error uh, basically in like 400-plus games in the outfield. He finally makes an error. The White Sox take advantage of the, mistake, the mistakes and then get their 41st win of of the year. This is what Liam had to say on Saturday. He said, one of the biggest things we need to figure out inside the clubhouse is the mindset. I think a lot of it comes down to that more than anything else, I think everyone else can see the talent. Everyone else can see everything that's going on, but our mindset, our attitude towards being aggressive, trying to do the little things, like if you hit a single to left, all of a sudden you could turn it into a double. If he bobbles it, that's an uplifting thing for your entire team. You fall behind a guy 3-0, you come back and get that guy out. That's uplifting for the entire team. There's certain situations where you can have every or you can have a very positive impact with the little things that we should be doing anyway. And one and I think that's one thing we really need to focus on. There's so many different variations of pressure they could be put on the opposition that can completely swing a game. It could be something as little as you don't even score on a single that you turn into a double, but completely changes what else is going on. 
okay, how can you do that? I can do that as well. Watch me. And that's something I think we really need to focus on making sure we're doing. So taking advantage of those mistakes, making sure you're not making mistakes like Andrew Vaughn and Daryl Boston had. And I don't know if it was really a mistake, but Andrew Vaughn hits a ball that was uh, really sharply hit towards third base. And uh, the third baseman for the Tigers kind of bobbled it, rushed the throw, threw it over Torkelson's head. And then Jonathan Scope, who's been the best defender in baseball this year, cleanly backed up Torkelson, picked it up, threw it in one motion. It was really fantastic. Threw it to to Baez, who got uh, Vaughn out at second. It was a really great defensive play. There was not a single beat missed by the Tigers there, but the White Sox, again, getting out on the base pass, and that's something I think Liam is talking about. They could have had a guy on second right there, um, or they could have just had a guy on first. Instead, they have nobody on, and they have no runners on, and they didn't score until the fifth inning off Drew Hutchison, of all people. Yeah, I like aggressiveness if you believe the runner is has some speed. Andrew Vaughn, man, that man runs like he has a piano on his back. And as I had Farmer used to say, and playing it. So maybe Andrew has to think, I cannot run. I'm already way off the baseline, so he went way past first base, you know, as a runner's supposed to do, hit the base and keep on going. But now your angle to second base is a little longer than 90 feet it should be. So, yeah, he should know, okay, I shouldn't go. And Debo should know, man, Andrew's really goddamn slow. We have the best defender in baseball, and Slidey McTaggy over there is going to be catching the ball. So the combination is probably not the greatest there. I know we want to try to force the issue there, but maybe wrong guy, wrong time. I had a slight problem with it. It's not the most egregious thing in the world. It's fine. People can say just being aggressive, sometimes you're going to be out. Sometimes you just need to tip the cap to the other team. But you got to know person, place, time, if that's the right time to go. And, you know, you got thrown out. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's move now into the next series. This was a bad homestand, but the White Sox, I think, can still make up for it if they have a good road series, and they've been good on the road this year, Herb. Uh, Stephen, if we have this graphic, I'd love to look at the final games remaining for the White Sox. They've played 84 games this year, um, so they have 78 games left. They have seven games remaining against playoff caliber teams, the Astros and Padres. They have... 27 games left against division contenders, so that's the Twins. They have 13 games left against the Twins, 14 games left against the Guardians. Against mediocre teams, they have nine games left, the Mariners, Rangers, and Angels, even though the Mariners have been playing well as of late. And then they have 37 games against rebuilding teams, the Diamondbacks, Orioles, Rockies, Tigers, Royals, Athletics. As we know, the Orioles are red hot. You could even put them uh, in mediocre mediocre. or even, hey, playoff caliber at this point. Uh, And shout-out to Alex Rude, who helped me put this together. Uh, and he mostly did all the work. I don't even know why I'm even taking a slight bit of credit. I just copied and pasted this and then deleted some some things. But, Herb, when you look at that, you see 70, uh, 37 games against rebuilding teams, 27 against division contenders, nine games against mediocre teams. This White Sox team should win the division. Uh, we, we The Twins aren't scaring me. The only team that really scares me is the Guardians because they can beat us. But... Uh, this is a, a great eight-game stretch to prove how fucking good you are. I mean, you're looking at a four-and-a-half-game barrel heading into the All-Star game break against the Twins and Guardians. You're going to have ten games after the Guardians. Uh, after the All-Star break, you're going to have uh, uh, what nine games left against the Twins after the All-Star break. How you feeling? I'm feeling pretty good about the White Sox chances with that. I don't know if they're going to win the division. I said it that they are going to beat it. They are going to be a, a, a division winner. But... Alex was explained to me yesterday, not only the White Sox have that record or that schedule, the Twins have a really tough schedule on the back end. 
for this eight games versus the Guardians and the Twins, four and four. That's all I'm looking for. Just stay afloat. Really? Yeah, just stay afloat. It's a, These are road games versus two teams that are above you in the standings. Yes, you would but, love but to win 7-1 and one or go 8-0. and no. That's not realistic. The White Sox just need to hold their water right now and win the games that they can throughout the season. Take a game at a time. And the Twins did win that game versus the uh, Rangers 6-5 to five out there in Texas. So the White Sox are currently five games behind the Twins, uh, a half a game behind the Guardians going into Cleveland tomorrow. Four and four. That's all I am expecting them to do. If they do better, that'll be a boom for the White Sox. They cannot go below four and four. Losing ground right now, that just marks another day off the calendar for the Twins and the Guardians. And the White Sox needs to hold ground right now. And then attack these teams and win these games at home when you start the season again after the All-Star break with the Cleveland Indians. Ah, Guardians. You dug yourself a hole. And I, I, I think that you have such an opportunity here to dig yourself out of this hole. Mm-hmm. I think going below 500 in this 15-game stretch would be a failure. If they go 4-4 four and four on this road stretch, that would put them at 7-8. Seven, 7-8. Eight. Seven and eight. That would mean that it's a failure uh, of a stretch right there. And you could just finalize the All-Star break, the, the first half of this year uh, before the All-Star break, as a failure for the White Sox. If you want to take control of the narrative, if you want to take control of the season, make this an important road stretch. Make this the most important eight games that you've played all season. Because if you go five and three, if you go six and two even, I mean, that is such a huge lift to this team. If you clean sweep the Minnesota Twins and have a real good series against Cleveland, even go 2-2 against them, it's possible that you could be in first place. Yeah. I mean, this is a this is a stretch where you can put yourself in the driver's seat, say, hey, we just had a horrible first half, and yet we are still in first place. It is right there. The Twins let you hang on. The Guardians let you hang on. Put them in the dust while you can. And, and we've been talking about this team's a better road team. You're, you're more comfortable. Mm-hmm. You, I mean, I guess you're less comfortable. It makes you more aware that you're playing a professional game and you're going out there to win, but... I, I, this is so important in my mind, This next, these next eight games. I think it's important because you're playing teams in front of you, but I don't put all the eggs in the basket of this series. No matter what, if they go 8-0 still in this series, the first half, and I'll put those in quotes, is a failure. The White Sox are not supposed to be where they are now, and eight games better still is falling short of where they're supposed to be. I think you just have to play a game at a time, and if they figure out that at the end of these games, the eight-game stretch in seven days, that they are 500, I'm not going to be too mad, depending on how the games went. You know what I mean? Like if the White Sox had leads in all eight of those games and blew four of them, I'm like, that's not great, White Sox. But these are tough teams too. I mean, I put those in quotes. Tough teams too, especially for the White Sox. They've only beat them, what, three times this year total? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's going to be a real tough stretch of games for the White Sox. I'm just expecting them to hold water. And you have plenty of games to catch up with them, play those teams. And as uh, many people have said, and you said in the, uh, when the description there's the Orioles probably not no longer rebuilding. We saw them here. They yeah. look good. They look real good, real, real young, hungry, and ready to attack. Now they've won eight games in a row. So, luckily, we're going to the Orioles, I think, in the middle of August. So, not playing that hot-ass team right now. But, yeah, just go 500 versus these teams and be 
in the competition after the All-Star break to get some games. I know Minnesota has, uh, the, the White Sox still have nine games against Minnesota in September, um, and, and they have six of their last nine games of the season against Minnesota. So they'll, they'll still have the chance to even come back in this division late in the year, but I, I just... I have a feeling that would feel good if, oh, yeah. if you if you finish or, or closer and you have like a two game you know separation between you and first place um, and you still have a negative run differential you got to look and just be like all right there, I mean we still can put this together I, I mean I don't know this this team is frustrating I understand people's frustration but if Minnesota loses two against the Brewers and you take care of business in their place. You're definitely going to put a lot of pressure on that team. That team's injured. That team doesn't have a ton of pitching. You still have pitching. You still have hitting. Since June 9th, the White Sox have scored 5.6 runs per game, and they're 14 and 15. So if the pitching comes along or if the pitching rounds out into shape, this White Sox team can still win the division. It's pretty clear to me, and they still have an easy route. I understand that it. We've been saying that it's still been easy in June, but uh, it's still possible for the White Sox to take control of this thing, and I think they could still do it uh, even before the All-Star game. But that's going to do it for the CHGO White Sox podcast today. We got one final thing, and it is the Colson Montgomery on base streak. He's the 93rd prospect on the MLB's top 100 prospect list, and he has gotten on base in 45 straight games. He got promoted to single A after being in low A, um, so these are kind of mixed between uh, – Canapolis and Winston-Salem uh, batting average in those 45 games 349 455 or yeah 450 454 sorry 349 454 509 he's got nine doubles one triple five homers and 28 walks in those games he's been incredible Herb yeah and I love to see that that progression like this is first major league or his first professional season full season and he's having no problem with low A. And now going up to high A, he's like, this is nothing nothing special either. I would love for the White Sox to just to have him go this whole year as a single A player. And then if he progresses to double A next year, full year. All the full year. Because he's still young. He was drafted out of high school. So I don't want them to rush him. I don't want him to come up after next year or the year after. I want them to give him a representative amount of at-bats down in the minor leagues, and if he dominates down in the minor leagues and he is forcing the issue, cool, bring him up. But it's good to see him having a great start to his career, his professional career. Good to be in the top 100 White Sox, the only guy in the top mm-hmm. 100 for the White Sox prospects. Now, you know, of course, we're in this championship window. Do the White Sox dare move a guy like Colston Montgomery because people will be asking if the White Sox are looking for acquiring a player at the trade deadline. They definitely shouldn't. Uh, I think he might be playing himself into Andrew Vaughn territory where you just keep a guy when he's in uh, your, your system like that. I don't know. I, I think he's easily the guy that I would like to protect the most. Colos is like 24 years old. Cespedes is older. Um, I mean, this is the guy that has the perfect blend. He's athletic. He's young. He's healthy. I, I see oh. no reason to move on from him. He's a left-handed hitting shortstop. Like, oh, baby, come on. His name is Colin with the White Sox, yes. <laughs> yes, you apparently. Can, if you go to guaranteed rate field, his name's Colin, not Colson. Um, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I, I'd love to see him in a, in a White Sox uniform. Uh, I'd love to see a lefty, and especially a lefty that could play the infield. Uh, that, that stuff's fantastic, and, you know, Jake Berger, you can move on from him. You know, uh, even Jared Kelly. Like, uh, there's not a lot of prospects that I would be 
truly hurt if the White Sox moved, which I, I know is always your theory when making moves. You got to make it hurt, or it you to. know something has to be going uh, to 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 really you know make it an important trade. I think Colson's the only guy I'd protect in this White Sox farm system. Anyone else that goes. I'm pretty fine with it. I know Nohei Vera has been good as well, but um, I mean, truly, Colson Montgomery looks like he's got everything that you want in a Major League Baseball player, and he's been uh, really incredible uh, down in single A this year. We'll be with you tomorrow. We will have a pre- and post-game for you. I believe the game starts, since it is a Cleveland game, I think it starts at 6.30, so I think we're pre-gaming at No, it's 5. Six. It's, six, it's a 6.10 six, 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 start six, tomorrow. 6.10 start, so we'll it's 5.30 pre-game. So 5.30 pre-game show tomorrow. We'll have a post-game show for you after the final out is made. Lance Lynn's going to be on the bump, and we'll see how the big bastard does in his start. It's been a little shaky for Lance you this know who's year. On the bump for the Cleveland Guardians? Who's on the bump? Cal Quantrill. Oh, that's who I fine. told you we're gonna smoke, and then Tristan McKenzie, we're gonna smoke. You got Shane Bieber in this uh, series? I believe so. I saw Savali. They don't have the starters for the Wednesday doubleheader yet. Yeah, but uh, uh, I think oh no, the Tuesday doubleheader, the Wednesday starter, it has listed as Savale. So I would think that. Uh, Bieber would be one of those games. I hope they miss Bieber. Hopefully it's Tristan McKenzie if they or don't, the other game. If they don't miss Shane Bieber, they're going to get their Eat ass struck bump. out ten times. Um, but that's going to do it for the CHGO. Wait, the White Tigers Sox beat post-game show. Bieber the last game they played didn't, to win their fi- uh, four game in a row versus the Guardians. So that would have been Thursday. Bieber's going to have to pitch versus the White Sox. Yay. They'll lose that one. Other than that, they better go 7-1. Tigers and one. beat them? F that. <laughs> We're going to beat Shane Bieber. Uh, the Tigers are clearly better than the White Sox. They just uh, they just came into their crib and, and did that to them. Uh, I, I wasn't expecting them to split the series with the Tigers. Me Pretty either. disappointed by that. And uh, now, again, you could have taken advantage of this. You, you're playing a team that is 10 games back out in the division. If you went, you know, 3-1 and one against them, you could have gone, you know, maybe 4-4 four and four against the, uh, the the Guardians and Twins. But uh, I feel like you got to have a winning record in these next eight games uh, to make uh, – uh, you know, to, to to really put a put a nice cap, right? Put a nice cap on this 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 first half. Uh, but we'll see. We'll join you tomorrow for the pregame show starting at five thirty. That's Herb Lawrence. You can follow him on Twitter at Ecknerwall twenty three. I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. We were joined by Vinny Duber out from Guaranteed Rate Field. You can follow him on Twitter at Vinny Duber, and you can follow the show on Twitter at chgo underscore White Sox. We appreciate everyone for hanging out with us in the YouTube chat. We appreciate. Everyone listening on their uh, ride into work today, maybe your ride home on Sunday, maybe going to work on Monday. We appreciate all of you listeners. And if you guys can give a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're on, we would appreciate it. Thank you to Fleetwood Mac for their 1979 album, Tusk. And we will talk to you tomorrow. Go White Sox.